Happy Monday, everybody. This is Josh with Get Your Goat. Tonight, Giants, Buccaneers, Monday Night Football. Can the Bucks get it back on track? Also, who still thinks Buffalo is the best team in the AFC? I haven't thought so since like week two. Are there still really people riding that train? But then again, the Titans lost to the Texans yesterday. Green Bay lost. Is it time for Pete Carroll just to leave Seattle in general? Like he left that first part of his press conference yesterday. A thrilling Sunday night football game between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Los Angeles Chargers. I'm going to recap all those games today. Then, when I move on to the NBA, LeBron ejected for the second time in his career. Is what he did worthy of a suspension or not? Then I'm going to give you my top five teams in the NBA. React to a wild weekend of college football and what that means moving forward ahead of the college football playoff rankings tomorrow. But first, I will give you my top six teams, my top four teams that I think will get in, or that should get in, according to me, and then my next two out. Then I will wrap up with the top five teams in college basketball right now. So let's get started with the New York Giants-Tampa Bay Bucks Monday night football game. The New York Giants, playing a little bit better as of late, played a tough Monday night game a few weeks ago against the Chiefs. Before that, put a hurt on the Panthers. Uh, Then, a week ago, or two weeks ago, they put a hurt on the Raiders, uh, upset them. Tampa Bay, kind of trending in the other direction. Uh, Tom Brady, four picks in the two games against the Saints and the football team, two losses. A defense has looked bad. A lot of penalties, secondary issues. Can they get back on track against the New York Giants at home tonight? Now, I'm going to agree with Bruce Arians. I was very upset that he was calling out Tom Brady after the Washington football team because without Tom Brady, he'd still have zero Super Bowl wins, and he wouldn't even be in a position to be yelling at anybody if it wasn't for Tom Brady. Uh, but he believes, you know, if the uh, Bucks as a whole play smarter, cut down on some penalties, you know, those are the problems that they can solve. And for the most part, I agree with him. The penalties, you can't expect to win a ton of football games, uh, turning the football over and committing a ton of penalties. I believe you eliminate those, you're going to win most of your games even with Tampa Bay's suspect secondary, I do believe the front seven is stout. This offense can put up points in bunches. But again, as Bruce Arian says, it starts with playing smarter. Couldn't agree more with him than that. You cut bows down, I believe they'll get back on track and win a lot more football games. The secondary, I don't believe that'll be fixed until the secondary is healthy. Who knows if we'll see that this year. That's kind of been their Achilles heel all year long. Uh, Don't think it'll be fixed uh, tonight. And then again with Daniel Jones, I just don't know anymore with him. I've written him off. I'm going to say still that I have written him off considering some of the performances he's put in. 
you know, he'll look great against the Giants, uh, and then there'll be games, you know, where he'll look just bad against teams like the Broncos or the Falcons. I just don't know uh, with Daniel Jones. So for a Monday night football game, am I going to rely on Daniel Jones, Danny Dimes as some call him, or am I going to rely on the GOAT, Tom Brady? Of course I'm going to rely on the GOAT. There ain't no way I was ever going to pick against Tampa Bay tonight. I'm rolling with Tampa Bay. That's who I know. That's who I'm picking. And some areas I like in this game is that the Bucks are set to get Rob Gronkowski back. Uh, played like a minute in the Saints game, but hasn't really played a full game uh, since week three before his injury against the Los Angeles Rams. He'll be back. That helps this team as a security blanket. Of course, Antonio Brown's not going to be back, but if Gronkowski feels good in the pregame warm-ups, he is set to return tonight. I think that is a huge, 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 huge comeback for Tampa Bay at this time for Tom Brady. I think that return will be huge. I really have no faith in the Giants' defense. I believe Tom Brady will be able to pick them apart, especially if Gronk is there for key third down conversions, which they haven't been able to really get in the absence of Gronk and Antonio. That helps out the Tampa Bay Bucks a lot. Then the New York Giants, their offensive line is still very poor. You've got Shaq Barrett, JPP, Ndamukong Su. They haven't had as good as the years as in years past. But I believe on this Giants offensive line, they can definitely generate a pass rush, get after them. Uh, Saquon Barkley is questionable to return. And if I was Saquon Barkley, I'd rule myself out. I wouldn't want any part of this tonight. I wouldn't want to see Sue coming after me or uh, JPP coming after me. I just don't want any of that. I believe it would be smarter to stay out. I believe the Tampa Bay Bucks will win this game big. They're 10.5 point favorites. I like that. I think they'll win anywhere from 10 to 14 points covering that line on a Monday night game in Tampa. Tom Brady likes to play there. I think I saw last week when he was in Washington. A little colder out. I think he's tired of a cold even though he can play there. But I think... Tampa Bay, Tom Brady, they win tonight. Maybe this is a little adjusted too in thinking is because yesterday I watched the first episode of Man in the Arena starring Tom Brady en route to his first uh, Super Bowl win where he was sort of this dorky looking kid coming out of Michigan uh, who thought he'd be a second day pick, turned out to be a third day pick, you know, uh, infamous pick number 199. Uh, he doesn't play a lot his rookie year. They have a great defense. They've got Drew Bledsoe, signs a million, hundred million dollar deal, uh, 10 years. Then he gets injured uh, playing the Jets in the second week, which forces Brady to come in. And Brady comes in. He does a decent job 
of I wasn't too familiar with kind of a Patriots record uh, throughout that season in 2001 uh, as I didn't watch much football uh, when I was a few years old. Uh, but that's just a side note. But he managed uh, to do okay. Uh, they were five and five, so I believe that's kind of they were five and four with Tom Brady as the starting quarterback. And then after they lost to the Rams and they were five and five, they rattled off six straight wins to finish eleven and five. Of course, they beat uh, the Raiders and the playoff, the infamous Tuck rule. Uh, of course. I do believe that was a fumble, as that, you know, was said in the documentary. That changed, you know, the lives of a lot of people. You know, John Gruden kind of gone after that uh, season, and which I didn't think was a fumble. You know, Drew Bledsoe thought it was a, a fumble, kind of everybody there until they reviewed it, and they reversed it somehow, which still in shock, you know, even though that happened 20 years ago. That that was called a fumble. Of course, they win the game. Then the following game, you know, which I didn't know when they played the Steelers in the AFC Championship game, is Brady hurt his ankle, and Drew Bledsoe came in and had a terrific game and led the Patriots uh, to a win, twenty-four to seventeen, balled out, and Bill Belichick stuck with Tom Brady in the uh, Super Bowl against the Rams. The greatest show on turf, Kurt Warner, that is something that surprised me that he went with Tom Brady considering at that time period, Drew Bledsoe was a better quarterback, had the arm talent, the arm strength, kind of the intangibles. You know, even though Brady had some of those intangibles, I thought Drew Bledsoe, just from those few plays that they show, was a better quarterback. So I was surprised that, you know, looking back in time now that Bill Belichick Started Brady for the Super Bowl. Of course, it worked out uh, for them. But no, I did feel for Drew Bledsoe in not getting that start. I do think he kind of deserved that start for playing uh, so well. You know, I get his frustrations for wanting to leave the team. Brady kind of came in with a great team and won that. Uh, so watching that, that dock out right now. I encourage every football fan to watch that on ESPN+. Plus. But yes, the Giants, Bucks, Buccaneers will win tonight. They will put an end to their two-game skid. And they will beat the Giants at home tonight. Now, some of the Week 11 highlights from the day yesterday. Indianapolis and Buffalo. I thought Buffalo would squeak out a win here. It would be close because of their offense. And was I wrong? And was there a lot of people wrong? A lot of people talking about, oh, the Bills being the best team in the AFC. Their roster, they're so talented. Oh, Josh Allen. Josh Allen this. Josh Allen that. Is it just me? Or do I remember how bad Josh Allen was as a rookie? And then kind of how mediocre uh, he was two years ago before a... Crazy ascension last year. Was last year the peak before Josh Allen? And is he now back uh, to kind of the regular scheduled programming of maybe not as mediocre as he was two years ago, but not as good as he was last year? Somewhere in between. That's kind of my consensus thinking is 
Josh Allen already peaked. Now he'll have, you know, games like last year, you know, against the Jets and some other teams. He'll have those kind of performances, but I don't think he'll have ones like last year where it was a 16-game season of just greatness after greatness, you know, finish second in MVP voting because he was that good. I just don't see that from Josh Allen. I'm starting to see a little younger Josh Allen appear here, but more this is the Josh Allen I was used to seeing before this year, even in Wyoming, not a great completion percentage. That's what I'm starting to think. I think we're taking Josh Allen, putting him on some kind of pedestal that he was never really there. Buffalo was never really there. They beat the Ravens and no Lamar Jackson in the game after knocking him early. But they have no rush game. They never had, so defenses can now scheme uh, to just stop uh, Josh Allen in the passing game. Uh, zone that up. And then also, you take Stephon Diggs out of the game. I mean, it's not like they have a great running back, so that's easy to kind of take away. Then if you can take away Stephon Diggs, for a majority, I know in the red zone he's very dangerous, but if you can take a lot of Stephon away, and it's just Josh Allen, it, the Bills aren't a special team, and that's why they're sitting there at 6-4, and 7th in the playoff standings. The Patriots have now surpassed them. That's what I feel like in their defense. Great pass rush. But as I said, they have a tough time stopping the run. Could they stop Derrick Henry? No, they couldn't. Yesterday, Jonathan Taylor. Could they stop him? No, they couldn't. The man had 32 carries, 185 yards, four touchdowns. And then in the receiving game, he had another touchdown as well from three receptions. Jonathan Taylor could not be stopped. Like, they couldn't stop Derrick Henry a few weeks ago on Monday Night Football. They could not stop Jonathan Taylor. Now the Colts kind of look for real after an 0-3 start. Uh, you know, winning six out of their last eight games. Buffalo kind of on the descent here, uh, looking very poorly. And Colts defense did a good job, uh, but... The rushing game, clear advantage to Indianapolis. A time of possession as well, almost uh, two to one. Thirty-eight minutes to Buffalo's twenty-two. Buffalo has a lot of things they need to get fixed up before the Thursday night game against the Saints, and you know before they now face the Patriots twice in a month for their own division and the Bucks as well. Schedule gets very tough for the Bills. A lot of people touting a 13-4 and record, one or two in the AFC. It is not looking that way. I think if they win the division, they'll be the four seed. And if not, they'll be bottom of the barrel seven seed right here. This is the classic Bills Josh Allen that I was used to seeing before the peak last year. Baltimore and Chicago yesterday. Who would have thought the majority of the game we would have seen Lamar Jackson, I mean Andy Dalton, and Tyler Huntley? Not me. Lamar Jackson ruled out due to an illness. Uh, Then early in the game, Justin Fields out with a rib injury. So you had Huntley versus Dalton, and which was an ugly, ugly game. Andy Dalton uh, came in and was manageable, 201 yards and two touchdowns. 
Huntley didn't do anything special to me. This was an ugly uh, game for sure. Both had a couple turnovers. Huntley with interception. The Bears with a fumble. But this is the thing. You're the Chicago Bears. Andy Dalton's a better quarterback than Tyler Huntley. This is a game of Bears at home. Should have won. Big game for them. Just in a playoff race. You're 3-6. and six, You win this. You're 4-6. and six, It's doable. You lose. You're 3-7. and seven, It's very not doable. And you lose this game. You blow it. You look bad. Uh, the fans are chanting, fire Nagy. And I agree. I've been saying this for a while now. Fire Matt Nagy. He's not a good coach. They have a talented enough team to make it to the wild card beyond the fringe there. And with him, it's just bad year in and year out. You need to get rid of him. He's not a winner. How much longer are the Bears going to do this? I know it's a short week coming up to Thanksgiving, but they are not winners anymore. I look at your schedule. That game against the Lions could be a toss-up with no Justin Fields. Uh, then after that, you've got the Cardinals, Packers, Vikings. I mean, you're looking at 10 losses right there and being 4-10. and 10. This is a very bad uh, Bears coach team. Cleveland and Detroit. Very close to picking Detroit, but I said I'd roll with Cleveland. Uh, I was right just by the slimmest of margins. DeAndre Swift having another great game. He's been fantastic all year long. 136 yards a touchdown. Didn't ask Boyle to do a much. Didn't didn't ask Boyle to do much for backup for Detroit, but when he did do something, uh, it wasn't very beneficial. Two interceptions, a QBR of six. That is pathetic. Uh, Dan Campbell cannot get any competent quarterback play at all. Jared Goff, not good. Tim Boyle, not good. Quarterback is really what is killing this team. And I believe Dan Campbell, with this roster, which is the worst roster in NFL, are a competitive team from week in to week out. Uh, It is the quarterback, which is the worst position on this team. Baker Mayfield, not special. Two interceptions from him relied on a heavy dose of Nick Chubb. Uh, but the Browns, ugly game. I don't know where they're going. Don't think they're going up. That's for sure. Uh, but on offense, they need a lot of things worked out and fixed uh, before they play the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday night uh, coming up. Or Tennessee and Houston. Who expected this? Now all the memes are coming out. Tennessee, you know, beating every playoff team they played last year in two of their three losses now against the 2-8 and eight Jets and the 2-8 and eight Texans. I mean, come on. The Titans' six-game win streak. The Titans, or the Texans snap it. Rainy game and just ugly play by Tennessee. Five turnovers, four interceptions by Ryan Tannehill, four, and then a fumble lost uh, by Chester Rogers. That was bad performance. Mike Vrabel, to me, who was kind of been the front runner for coach of the year, uh, had this team playing so well. Ryan Tannehill, four interceptions. That dooms you right there. Uh, Anytime you turn the ball over five times, 
give the opponent good field position or even if your turnovers are in the red zone. That is not good. You've got to do a better job. Take care of a ball more against a Houston Texans team. That was 1-8 coming into this game. 1-8. Very shameful performance by Tennessee who could have put a chokehold on the one seed going into this game. Could have moved to 9-2. They now have a pivotal game for the one seed coming up against the Patriots. I mean, who would have thought that uh, Titans blew that game at home to the Texans? Uh, Ryan Tannehill cannot be throwing that many interceptions. Minnesota in Green Bay. This is when I was on the fence about said that Aaron Rodgers was not losing to con artist Kirk. I was close. Minnesota got the win. I will say Aaron Rodgers outperformed Kirk Cousins. Uh, 385 yards, four touchdowns to Kirk Cousins. 341 yards and three touchdowns. Wild ending uh, where Green Bay takes the lead. Minnesota takes it back. Green Bay ties it. Minnesota then ends with a field goal. But I will say this. Minnesota, I believe, got bailed out by the refs. I believe that was a clean interception at the end of the game there uh, uh, by, uh, I forget who the uh, defender was. I think it was Darnell Savage uh, who intercepted the ball, but replay reversed it, gave the ball back to Minnesota, and they were able to win the game with the field goal at the end. To me, that was a bad call. I thought it was a clear interception. There was no clear evidence that had the ball hit the ground. I saw the ball bobble, but I didn't see the ground to help him reestablish control of the ball. But the Green Bay defense has to do a better job. They have or had a top five defense playing good against every opponent. And then against the Vikings, you get torn up. Dalvin Cook cannot be stopped. Justin Jefferson could not be stopped as well. 169 yards on eight receptions, two touchdowns. Justin Jefferson had himself a brilliant, brilliant game. The Green Bay defense, this is one thing I worried about. How will this defense fare moving forward after this performance? You get a high-flying attack again. In the Rams next week, how does this defense fare at home now? That'll be another big test for them. Aaron Rodgers and his toe injury talked about how painful that was. He got stepped on it, you know, activated all the symptoms. So it'll be a no week of practice for him. And then they get the bye and he's hoping schedule gets easier after the bye. But that is a big game against the Packers on Sunday coming up. Miami and the Jets. Miami beat the Jets. That is what I thought that would happen. 24-17. Tua with an efficient game. 27-33. 273 yards and two touchdowns. Starting Joe Flacco for the Jets. That could not do it. But Elijah Moore, a rookie out of Ole Miss, had his best game of the season with eight receptions, 141 yards, and one touchdown. Washington and Carolina. I thought Carolina could do it. The return of Cam Newton uh, facing his former coach and Ron Rivera. A homecoming for Cam. Could they do it? I thought, yes, they could. Started good. Uh, 7-0. to zero. 
uh, kind of back and forth here, 14 to 14 at halftime. Then Washington gets it. You know, they answer again. So it's 21-21, 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. And the Panthers just can't do anything after that touchdown. Turn the ball over on downs twice. But this is what I've seen from the uh, football team in the past two games. When needing to, they can really run out the clock. Last week, uh, they had like a 10-minute drive that ended it against the Bucks. To me, they kind of essentially had the same thing yesterday where there was around uh, 10 minutes left in the game. And they run like a 7-minute drive that ends in a field goal, like 12 plays, 60 yards. Those are the type of drives that you want to have in the NFL. You know, we saw Washington do it against the Rams last week on Monday Night Football. Uh, the 49ers do that yeah, last week. The football team against the Bucks. But if they can do that, especially this team, keep their defense off the field and just scored uh, plays like that, this helps out the football team that are still in the hunt for the wild card race, knocks Carolina out in kind of this lower echelon of NFC teams trying to fight for those last two spots. It's going to be fascinating uh, to watch. Jacksonville and San Francisco. Did San Francisco find their groove after I lashed out at Kyle Shanahan and how he should be gone uh, when this team was 3-5 and five after an embarrassing loss to the Cardinals? They have bounced back. Great one against the Rams last week. And they did not suffer a setback against Jacksonville like a couple teams have. They dominated Jacksonville from start to finish again. Jimmy Garoppolo was efficient. Didn't ask him to do too much. They got the running game going with who other than Debo Samuel, a dose of Trey Sermon and Wilson in there. I mean, and then receiving, everybody got a turn. Ayuk. Uh, Kittle, Samuel, all of it. Surprisingly, Ayuk was the most targeted wide receiver this game, most receptions. I believe that's good if you can factor in a lot more, of course. I want Debo in there for fantasy, so if you have to use him as a running back more, I'll take it. But to me, that's just the lineup that they can have. And if Kyle Shanahan can utilize Debo all over the field and have Debo, Ayuk, and Kittle all out there at the same time, this is a good 49ers offense. They can put up some points. Cincinnati and Las Vegas. Which team would snap their two-game losing streak? Uh, I said Cincinnati would be the team to do it. And I was right. Raiders, to me, are dead now. Sitting at 5-5. Five and five, Three losses in a row. They are dead to me. Uh Things don't look good for them moving forward. Again, as I've said, a lot of issues surrounding this team all year long. It's too much. And this was a win Cincinnati it desperately needed to keep pace. You know, one game out of Baltimore, own the tiebreaker, still play him one more time. That was a big game for Cincinnati uh, to win this game. Joe Burrow didn't do a ton. It was a heavy dose of Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon was able to carry the rock and really get it done for this team. And Las Vegas had no answer for that. They had no answer defensively for the rushing attack. 
at all. Uh, Cincinnati doubled Las Vegas up in the rushing yard, uh, 159 to 72. And turnovers again uh, by Las Vegas hurt them. The time of possession, almost 2 to 1, 38 minutes to 22. That helps your team out a ton if you can just hold on to the ball. Derek Carr putting a lot of the blame on himself. I like that as a leader, you know, rallying it, but he's got to play better, but this whole team has got to play better as well. Then a matchup a lot of people were looking forward to, myself included. I thought it was going to be a shootout. The Kansas City Chiefs, the Dallas Cowboys, Dak Prescott, Patrick Mahomes, and it was the opposite of a shootout. Didn't even get one passing touchdown combined from these two players. Patrick Mahomes, 260 yards and interception. Didn't look crisp. Dak Prescott, 216 yards, two interceptions. Looked worse than worse than crisp. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire did a decent job. I mean, this is the thing I worry about for Kansas City. They had that early touchdown against the Cowboys in that first drive. And they kind of didn't do anything the rest of the game, but Chiefs did after that Kelsey rush. Kind of like a few weeks ago against the Packers, where they got that opening touchdown, didn't do much. Uh, Do I think the Chiefs are back to where they were the past two years? No. Do I think they're trending in the right way? Yes, I like this defense. I like what Steve Spagnola has done. Uh, You know, during this win streak, they're like number one in scoring defense. They're not allowing a ton of yards which is good uh, because this defense has been a main concern. Chris Jones, back his defensive tackle, has been huge because he's not an edge rusher. Uh, he just isn't. He doesn't have the uh, prowess as Miles Garrett does on the edge or TJ Watt. Uh, he is an inside bull rush disruptor of a run as well. So that helps out this defense as well. And the secondary, playing more experienced, more mature as the season goes on. I like this Chiefs defense. The offense, I still think, can work out some hiccups. And the Cowboys or the Chiefs shut down the most potent offense at the moment in the Cowboys. So I want to see this trend moving forward when they play not some good teams coming up against the Broncos and the Raiders before a pivotal Thursday night game against the Chargers. And Dallas, another huge loss where they could be right there with the one seed. They lose that game uh, yesterday, and it kind of shuffles them back down. If Tampa Bay wins, they'll be back down to the four seed. So not a so this was a big loss for the Cowboys. Dak Prescott has got to play better. Two interceptions, uh, not good. Couldn't get the running game going. As I said, the formula for Dallas is to run the ball a ton not pass the ball. So when they're passing the ball 43 times and only running it 16 times, that is not a good recipe for them. When you're not getting any points in the red zone, that is another another inexplicable thing you cannot be doing at all. There are some things they need to uh, focus up on as well because they're not playing good football. The Raiders aren't playing good football. So we'll see in the battle of not good football Thursday between the Raiders and the Cowboys. Then Arizona and Seattle. 
It's time to fire Pete Carroll. It is time to take out the trash. Please get rid of him. Two weeks ago, I said the same thing about Kyle Shanahan and uh, the 49ers when they were embarrassed at home by the same Cardinals team. No DeAndre Hopkins. No Colt McCoy. Last week, Carolina came in and destroyed that team. Seattle needing to win this game. They're 3-6. and six. This is huge coming up. No Kyler Murray. No Colt McCoy. And you stink up the joint. You stink up the joint. That's how bad it was. Russell Wilson was terrible. He's been terrible since he's come back. It was terrible last week against the Packers. Wasn't much better this week against the Cardinals. Wasn't much better. I mean, he was bad. Really bad. Taking all kinds of unneeded sacks that killed them. The third down, this team has been terrible. The worst third down team in terms of conversion rate. Russell Wilson has been bad. Oh, he's been bad. This defense, bad. Not being able to stop Colt McCoy, 35 of 44, 328 yards. I can't believe I said this. Colt McCoy just outplayed Russell Wilson at home field. That's terrible. That can't happen. Abandoning the run game as well after Rashad Penny in a nice run. And you turn to Alex Collins the rest of the game, who can't get anything going. Uh, then DK not getting targeted a ton early. Them not being able to stop James Conner or Zach Ertz. Jamal Adams in coverage. Terrible after his greatest game as a Seahawk last week. He comes up and is poor. Pete Carroll needs to go or Russell needs to go. One of the two. They can't coexist anymore. I'm sick of the charades. I'm sick of Russell Wilson dressing up like everything is fine and I'm going to dress up as Pete Carroll because everything's fine. At least Pete Carroll's transparent. Stormed out of a press conference saying he's tired of losing. He doesn't know what's going on. This is the worst this team has ever been since he's been here. One of those things has to go. Russell has to go or Pete has to go. They have to rebuild. They need draft picks. This team is bad. I haven't seen the Seahawks struggle like this in a while. I know last year they won the division on a lot of close games. I think it was nine one-score games that they won, which was a record. I mean, they were just able to win games, come back with Russell Wilson. Not so much this year. It's been atrocious. Atrocious. They've been bad in the past. They've Suffered bad losses, but so far this season, this has been bad. Where you win this game shorthanded, and you look at the schedule coming up, hey, it's doable. But now, I don't even know what games they'll win. The football team has caught fire all of a sudden. They travel to see them. That could be another loss. 49ers, same thing. That's another loss. They play the Texans. They both could be 3-10 and like 10 at that point. I mean, it's just bad. But after that, they play the Rams. Uh, Maybe the Lions will get their first win on them. That happens. You fire Pete Carroll. He's he's got to go. Russell Wilson's got to go. One of the two. Seattle and Pete Carroll don't want to tailor to Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is in this inept offense. It is very poor to watch considering the talent they have, considering how good Russell is. Uh, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, uh, Gerald Everett. I mean, the team has talent. 
and they're not winning games. When I see that, I have to throw it on the coach. Pete Carroll has to go. This is his worst loss. This is an embarrassment. This is worse than uh, Kyle Shanahan uh, two weeks ago. Kyle Shanahan was able to right the ship, it looks like. I think it is too late for Seattle to right the ship. Now, sadly, Arizona's back to the best record in football. Pathetic. Pittsburgh and L.A. Happened to be a quite entertaining game. Back and forth there at the end where it looked like the Chargers were a sort of in control uh, up 27 uh, to 10. Stormed back uh, 27 to 20. A block punt which set that touchdown run up. And Austin Eckler makes it 34 to 20 with 8 minutes left. Then all of a sudden, the Chargers can't get anything going. They're turning the ball over on downs. It's 37-34 Pittsburgh. But Justin Herbert comes back. 53-yard strike to Mike Williams. A great pass. Los Angeles Chargers were resilient. Another comeback this year uh, sets them up uh, good moving forward. They needed this one as well. Uh, Dropping three out of their last four games. Big win for them, for Justin Herbert. And I just feel bad uh, for the Los Angeles Chargers, uh, their head coach, Brandon Steely, talking after a game. They were at home, and he said it was a hostile environment for crowds against them. I mean, I just feel bad having every game is an away game for Los Angeles. To me, that's just, it's just not right when you can't even be in a building where more than 50% of the people are rooting for you. Uh, but... That is how it goes sometimes. Los Angeles finds a way to win. This is a team, I'm going to say, if they're peaking, I don't think they need the number one seed or the number three seed or home field because it just doesn't matter for them. But they're playing well. They beat Pittsburgh as another big loss uh, for Pittsburgh. I know they tie with the Lions last week. You tie with the Lions, you kind of count that as an L no matter what. But there was a lot of good football games on this past weekend. Now moving on to the NBA. And LeBron got ejected last night. Hit uh, Isaiah Stewart in the face. And I guess when I say it like that, you know, it's worthy of an ejection or suspension until you watch the replay. And I agree with what AD said. To me, there was no intent behind it. It was on a free throw uh, from AD. LeBron in the middle there, Isaiah Stewart. I think he was going to box out, and he hit him in the eye, but it was on a box out. That's what LeBron was thinking. LeBron's not a dirty player. He's not some sort of cheap shot artist where he's done this constantly, like a Draymond Green or Ron Artest or anything like that. Uh, He's not a dirty player. I do think it was a box outfit was worse than it looked with all the bleeding on Isaiah Stewart. Isaiah Stewart wasn't having any of it. You know, thought LeBron did it with intent and wanted to kill every player on the Lakers, it looked like. Wanted to fight them all and take them all on. The Lakers didn't want any of it. They didn't think it was intentional. I don't think it was intentional. I don't think LeBron should get suspended for it. Uh, I get, you know, the flagrant two just because 
you look at his face after that and the bleeding. So I do merit that if you want to suspend him a little bit. That's fine. It's not going to put a huge dent into his wallet. But I don't think a multi-game suspension is necessary for LeBron. Because from my perspective, it was a box out. The intent wasn't dirty at all. Wasn't looking to harm anybody or start an altercation, which happened. He was trying to cool it down and say, hey, my bad. Uh, And things escalated. From there, Russell Westbrook wondering why he got a tech while he was looking like he wanted to square up with somebody. So I won't buy Russell's uh, Russell Westbrook's uh, apology there of wondering why or how he got a tech. Uh, but I don't believe LeBron deserves a suspension uh, for what occurred last night. So now leaning into that, I'm going to give you my top five teams in the NBA at the moment. Starting with number five, that is the Utah Jazz. Now, to me, the Utah Jazz are playing great team basketball. They've won three in a row. Their point differential is right there at 10, which is the second highest in the league, which means they are scoring a lot more points than what the opponents are scoring on them. Great defensively, Jordan Clarkson, uh, Rudy Gay, Hassan Whiteside, all playing really well alongside uh, Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley. This is a very talented team uh, who looks like just from this West are in contention for a one seed like they were last year. Number four, the Chicago Bulls. Another team who I think are really good, added a ton of good pieces during the offseason, and they're all gelling. They have great team chemistry. They're winning games. They're 12-5, and five, and that's the thing. Are they the most talented team? Do they have the best players? No, but they're playing like a team. That's what will win you games. I think Chicago is doing great over there, offensively and defensively. Number three, the Brooklyn Nets. Another team where maybe they're not playing like a team, but they got a ton of talent. They got Kevin Durant, one of the best players playing right now. James Harden as well. And they're also 12-5. and five. Yes, they have the Kyrie cloud around them and other distractions. But Brooklyn is still winning games when needed. Number two. The Phoenix Suns on a 12-game winning streak right now. They are hot after a rough start at 1-3. and three. You can put that behind them as they are now 13-3. and three. Chris Paul... Uh, Devin Booker, Cameron Payne, uh, they have all played really well in helping this team win 12 straight games. That vaults you up there. But even though they're playing good, they're hot right now, they're not as hot as the number one team. That's still the Golden State Warriors league best 15-2, and two, league best point differential at 13 points, winners of four straight, scoring the most points, at 114, MVP already, Steph Curry. The depth with Jordan Poole and all of them off the bench, Damian Lee. This team is great. They have their eyes on the prize already. I like the way that Golden State has played a lot. They're playing well. Again, as a team, everyone knows their roles. And they are running you out of the building, whether it is theirs or your own. So those are my top five teams in the NBA. 
Number five, the Utah Jazz. Number four, the Chicago Bulls. Number three, the Brooklyn Nets. Number two, the Phoenix Suns. And number one, the Golden State Warriors. Now moving on to college football. I was 8-2 and two in my picks uh, from this past week. I said Ohio State was going to crush Michigan State. I said 49-0. I was close. It was 49-0 for a while there. They won 56-7. Ohio State obliterated Michigan State. Put up 655 total yards. C.J. Stroud went for 450 passing and threw like six touchdowns. This was dominant win by Ohio State. I said Mel Tucker was fraudulent. Everybody talked about how great Mel Tucker was. Rebuilt this program, acting like they were going to beat Ohio State or at least be a close game. Did no one expect what was going to happen except for me? Because Ohio State didn't even look like they belonged in the same league as Michigan State. It was like D1 versus D2, FBS versus FCS. They beat Michigan State more than they beat uh, like every other team they played. It was their most dominant win. They beat Michigan State by more than they beat Purdue, Nebraska, Ohio State, Indiana, Maryland, Rutgers, Tulsa, Minnesota. I mean, they made Michigan State look like chumps. They made Mel Tucker look like a chump who was didn't even know what to expect. They didn't even run Kenneth Walker much in that game. They were down by Michigan by 16, and they decided to keep on running Oh, Kenneth Walker. They gave up very early on that. Ohio State controlled this game. Made me look very smart there on my Ohio State pick. Ohio State is playing great football right now. Wake Forest and Clemson. I thought Wake Forest could win with the chip on the shoulder of the underdog, but they did not. Clemson reeling off seven straight ACC victories. They're at 8-3. and three. Quietly playing some really, really good football at the moment. Setting up a battle of South Carolina with South Carolina next weekend. Who's also playing good football at the moment. Iowa State and Oklahoma. I thought Oklahoma would rebound. And they did. Even though Caleb Williams didn't have a great game passing. 8 of 18 for a touchdown and interception. Had a fantastic run. Did just enough to stop Iowa State. Iowa State and Matt Campbell last year after a great 10-2 record are now 6-5. and five. Oklahoma setting up a great finale to the season against Oklahoma State in Bedlam. But Oklahoma was just too much to overcome. They were too upset over the loss last week. They didn't want to let this one slip away. Georgia Tech-Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Shut Georgia Tech out 55-0. to The defense playing great. Notre Dame is, is dominant as any team in the country. At the current moment, Notre Dame is also playing really sound football. Arkansas and Alabama. Thought Alabama would win but wouldn't be a dominant win. Even though they could have if Georgia's win was just as dominant. They were in Bama. And it was close. They struggled with Arkansas. Alabama won by a score of just one touchdown. Uh, but yep, Alabama, Bryce Young, 559 yards, five touchdowns, showed up C.J. Stroud. 
kind of carried the team on his back saying, I ain't losing to Arkansas. Alabama setting up a great game in two weeks against Georgia. But Alabama has defensive issues that they need to fix. They also let in 468 yards. Uh, The defense wasn't good at all. The rushing was about the same on both teams. Uh, Alabama needs to play a lot better, I think, if they are going to beat uh, Georgia in a few weeks. SMU and Cincinnati. Picked SMU on the upset, like a lot of other people, just sick of seeing Cincinnati. That was not the case. Cincinnati, 11-0 now, their best win of the season easily over SMU. Nebraska-Wisconsin. Wisconsin again, getting the win. But Nebraska, all eight losses have been by one possession, lost 35-28. to Adrian Martinez, two interceptions there at the end. I mean, I just feel so bad for Scott Frost. This team has played so well. And I think if they were to have a better quarterback that didn't turn the ball over so much, they wouldn't be 3-8. and They'd probably be 7-4, and 8-3, like Wisconsin. Uh, but the turnovers by the quarterback hurts this team a lot. Baylor, Kansas State. Baylor, another team with a big upset last week. Uh, who was actually the underdog against Kansas State. And I said, you know, Baylor, another chip on their shoulder, ran to come in and win. They did 20-10, to 10, a really dominant effort of Kansas State uh, to stay uh, within uh, a game of a Big 12 championship game. If they can win next week against Texas Tech, and if Oklahoma State can beat Oklahoma. Then Oregon and Utah. Utah with the big upset. Thought Utah could do it. Didn't think they'd do it in this fashion. 38-7, to like Oregon's most lopsided loss ever. Ended their chance and the Pac-12 chances of a playoff uh, ranking. I mean, it was bad from start to finish. 28-0 to at halftime. Utah put the hurt on them. Great win by the Utes. And Oklahoma State dominated Texas Tech 23 23- to zero, their defense has been fantastic. Clinched a spot in the Big 12 title game. Now, I'm going to give you my top teams. I believe my college football playoff rankings right now. Number one, it's Georgia. There's no doubt, no doubt about it. They're the best defensive team in the land, uh, sitting at you know seven and a half points. A game allowed 236 uh, yards. They're the best team FPI and resume-wise. I mean, you just got to give it to Georgia. They've been so dominant. Number two, I'm bumping Ohio State up to number two. The best offensive team in the nation with 559 yards a game. A passing attack has also been lethal. Number two. In FBI and resume as well. Uh, this is a team that I think is really clicking right now. Especially the offense. Defense could play a bit better. But this offense is scary to watch. Which means I bump Alabama down to number three. Yet a great performance. But it wasn't a dominant win. Ohio State just having their best one. Alabama's stringing together a lot of good wins. But not a lot of... Dominant ones against some 
teams that they should dominate or I've seen Georgia dominate, and they just can't. Which leaves me at four, and that's a big question. I am putting Michigan in at number four, and I know that's the date bait. Michigan at four, Cincinnati at four. Let me break it down to you. Michigan's 10-1. and one. Cincinnati is 11-0. So if you're just going based on the win-loss record, Cincinnati would technically be number two. But Michigan's been more dominant in their games. Their FPI rank is at number four. Cincinnati is at eight. And I just take a look at their resume as well. Michigan sitting there with a strength of schedule at 39. Cincinnati, 93. Michigan's strength of schedule, it's harder than Georgia's was. Ohio State, Oklahoma, Notre Dame, Oklahoma State, Cincinnati. Cincinnati's 93. And you look at their remaining strength of schedule, Michigan's going to go play Ohio State. Cincinnati's going to go play East Carolina or something like that. So Michigan's had a tougher road. And they're 10-1, Cincinnati 11-0. And I look at, are they efficient winning these games? Yes, Michigan's the fourth efficient team in the game to where Cincinnati is five. Michigan's three efficient points ahead, 85-82. to Their offense is more efficient, 10-16. to The defense is about the same, uh, 12-11. Uh, and special teams, Michigan is the highest ranked special teams in the country at one. I factor all that in. I factor in who they've played. Uh, looking at them, if Michigan and Cincinnati were to play, who do I think would win right now? Neutral site location. Michigan, I'm putting them at four. But for all those reasons explained, I will still put Cincinnati at the number five. And at number six, I'm putting in Oklahoma State, whose defense to me is one of the best. Uh, to me, they're in a tougher conference here in the Big 12 Notre Dame had the one big game, and they lost to Cincinnati. I just can't put Notre Dame there. Oklahoma State has been dominant. They have one more week to really prove me right right there. Michigan, to me, is a good team, setting up a great game against Ohio State, which means one of those teams will be out. Georgia-Alabama is the SEC championship game. No matter what, one of those teams will be out. So Cincinnati's going to get in. No matter what, if they win out, that's the case. If they win their games, they will be in. But it is close. But I like Michigan. Michigan, gritty win, setting up the game. 10-1, 10-1 this coming Saturday. I'll be talking about that more later in the week. Then, just quickly, on a touch on college basketball. Michigan, basketball. I've been talking about the football a lot. I'm still a big Michigan basketball fan. And they've lost two times in the past week. I'm not going to call for Jawan Howard to get fired or anything crazy like that. But they've got a ton of talent, have a number one recruiting class. And they're getting outplayed, outcoached. Juwan has to do a better job of finding it. They looked bad in the loss against Seton Hall, which Seton Hall came back one by two. Last night they got obliterated by Arizona 80-62. to Which brings me to my top five teams in college Right now. Number five is Purdue. Purdue, big win against Villanova. They're playing great right now. That's why I have them at five. Four, Duke. Duke's also playing good. They're 5-0 and as well. They own a win over Kentucky. And Kentucky is still winning games. 
So I'm not going to discredit anything that Duke has done because they're playing great. Number three, Kansas. They've won all their games. Uh, schedule doesn't get much tougher, so they still have room to drop. But Kansas still have to respect just how good they are, how good of a job Bill Self has done. UCLA is sitting at two. Again, they're 5-0. and And other than Villanova, none of the games have been close that they've played. Same with Gonzaga. That's why they're number one, setting up a great matchup tomorrow, which I'll talk about more. Uh, tomorrow, Gonzaga, UCLA. But Gonzaga is the best team in college basketball. Those are my top five teams. Purdue, Duke, Kansas, UCLA, and Gonzaga. This has been Get Your Goat. Hope everybody has a great rest of your Monday. Tonight, Monday Night Football, Giants, Bucks. Who do you got? Bye, everybody.